Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of Absy Connects Podcast Pause. I hope you're all doing well. Um, on today's episode, I have Diane Roussain joining me from the Winnipeg Boldness Project. So we're branching outside of Alberta for this conversation. Um, this season, you might notice the odd episode um, where we feature folks who are either working and living outside of Alberta or who have um, some stories to share from projects that they that they were working on outside of the province as well. And even though they're not in the province, we find many parallels of the work done across Canada and beyond. So we're sharing those stories with all of you. So yeah, my conversation with Diane was wonderful. She has so much wisdom. I found myself jotting down more than once um, quotes and sayings that she shared throughout the episode that I knew that I wanted to remember for myself. So I wrote them down as a reminder. And not only did we get some wonderful insights and wisdom from Diane, but she also talked about the Winnipeg Boldness Project um, and how their theory of change and guiding principles really are the foundation and so embedded in everything that comes from, from the Boldness Project. Um, and in this case, we talked about the prototypes that come from the lab and a few of the examples of those, how they worked really well, uh, and really how everything they do is community driven. I hope you enjoy the conversation that I was able to have with Diane. Happy listening. Diane, thank you so much for being here today. Um, it is truly a pleasure to have you on the show and to be hearing your insights and knowledge. So to get started, I'll just ask you to introduce yourself. Hi, and thank you for inviting me. I'm always um, really, you know, honored when people want to know more about what we're doing in Winnipeg and what we're doing uh, with Winnipeg Boldness. So right now, the Winnipeg Boldness Project is situated in um, Treaty 1 territory, otherwise known as Winnipeg. And uh, I personally am Anishinaabe and Métis is my background. My, my father was Métis and he's passed away now. And my mother is Anishinaabe and um, all coming from Treaty 2 territory. So, so that's who I am. And yeah, I'm the project director for the Winnipeg Boldness Project, which is which is the topic we're going to talk about today. Yes, fabulous. I'm excited to get into it. Um, and so we're going to get into it right now. And just if you could give a bit of an overview to what the Winnipeg Boldness Project is, that would be awesome just for context. And then we'll really dive into the, the meat of the topic, which is the stories that we're going to discuss. So yeah, just to start, what is the Winnipeg Boldness Project? Well, at its most simplest, the Winnipeg Boldness Project is really trying to figure out how to make things better for babies. That is the most simplest I can say. Um, you know, the more formal description of that is, you know, we're trying to look at health and wellness outcomes for, for children and for families. Um, I will say that our methodology is definitely um, from an Indigenous uh, perspective and from an Indigenous approach. Um, and it, that is certainly because of, of the area that we're actually in. We're, we're situated in a physical neighborhood in Winnipeg. And so we do have a little bit of ge geographical boundaries that we're working within, otherwise called um, North Point Douglas neighborhood. And um, the other part of our methodology is the social innovation side of it. And so we're using this social lab approach and this social innovation tool to um, look at you know, what are some of the community's ideas of, of how we might make it better for babies? And so there is obviously lots of uh, data out there, lots of information out there that suggests that children in this neighborhood are perhaps not doing as well as they could be. And so this whole project was initiated to, to look at why is that and then what can we do about it? And so Social Innovation World really likes to talk about complex social challenges. And so the whole, um, you know, what does it take to make it better for babies and why might children not be thriving really starts pointing to these complex social challenges. So the, the whole lab approach is um, recognizing that, you know, we need to we need to work in certain ways if we're going to be able to tackle those complex challenges. So so again, the lab is is very much about that. Incredible. That's fantastic. Uh, previously, when we were talking, you had, you had mentioned that you've created this theory of change that really is your founding principles. Could you tell us what that theory of change is and how it guides the way the Winnipeg, Bold Winnipeg Boldness Project operates? 
Well, the Winnipeg Boldness Project very much is sits on a foundation of relationships, a foundation of knowledge, a foundation of um, wisdom. And so I have I have had the privilege of of being connected to to those relationships, being connected to that wisdom. And um, so, you know, bo- bo- Winnipeg Boldness has been around for about seven years now. Mm-hmm. And so prior to that, you know, I was working in this neighborhood. I was very much, you know, um, interconnected with so many other leaders and, and folks in this neighborhood, all trying to make it better for families. And so there's a way of working in this particular neighborhood that I've come to, to know um, that has been around for a long, long time, like generations, I'm telling you, like there's people who have, you know, really taught it to me and I, and they talk about the people who taught it to them. So I just know that it's intergenerational, this way of working. And I do connect it very much to indigenous approaches to, you know, what are, what's health and wellness, indigenous approaches to children, indigenous approaches to, um, you know, what's good for families. Mm -hmm. And so that way of working has been around for a long, long time. When the boldness came along, the Winnipeg boldness, the idea of the Winnipeg boldness project came along. Uh, you know, I was in on some of those early conversations, and um, and again, it, the Winnipeg boldness project and folks who were wanting to start it knew they wanted to look at this whole issue of what what can we do about health and wellness outcomes for children. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, right away, I'm like, well, there's a whole bunch of us that know a lot about that, so let's all work together and let's you know, come up with some of these ideas, because we already have a lot of ideas um, about that. And some of the ideas we're currently working on, and some of the ideas just haven't really seen the light of day. And so here's an opportunity to really bring those ideas forward, because they're ideas that we're super passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just haven't really been had the opportunity to fully express those ideas. So that's what the Winnipeg Boldness Project really gave us an opportunity to do that. I was the um, executive director of a very large Indigenous organization prior to Boldness. Um, and again, I, I was very connected to other Indigenous, mostly women leaders who, who were, you know, heading up all these other Indigenous organizations and, and non-Indigenous organizations as well. And, um, and, you know, when Boldness came along, we just looked at ourselves and talked to ourselves and said, is this something we want to work on? Is this an opportunity to, to do more? And really what I think why we agreed to be a part of it is because of this lab process and this lab process, you know, kind of held out uh, an opportunity to, to sort of start with community and, you know, for community to really be the, the center of it. And so for me, I've always worked that way. I've always known that that's that, that's the way to go. That's where there's so much wisdom. You know, those are the Mm -hmm. things that, those ways are the, the ways that families tend to um, want to be worked with or they gravitate towards. And so it became about, we got to write this, this, this way of working down. And so that's how we started the journey towards our theory of change. And so just going into community, talking to lots of people about what does it take to make it better for babies, you know, pretty soon patterns started to emerge, right? People were telling us things and we could see the patterns. And so folks were basically saying, you know, if you just do this, or if you just do it this way, or if you just could do mm-hmm. these things, things will get better for babies. So we took a year and we wrote a lot of that down. We went back and forth and, and all around and mm-hmm. just kept, you know, iterating. And we just kept, you know, going back into the community and saying, is this what you mean? Is this, is this what we heard? Is this, are, do we got this right? And so writing it down, we, we used our own language around it. And so we, we called it ways of knowing, being, doing, and feeling originally and it's still we I mean we still call it that but that was our original title for it eventually we realized you know we do need to uh hopeful have this be understood in, in sort of larger community and outside of the indigenous community and so we then tagged on you know it's a holistic early childhood development framework mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, folks could understand that but it's still ways of knowing doing and feeling yeah. and so um so it became so then that became part of the title Uh, And then, you know, fast forward to maybe it was two or three years in, we realized, oh, this is what social innovation world calls a theory of change. Right. (laughs) And quite simply, a theory of change is if you do things this way, you're going to lead to transformational change. Right. And so we've been talking about doing things this way in this neighborhood for generations, Mm -hmm. you know, passed on through the generations. 
And so that's what our theory of change is centered on is, is all that wisdom that's been passed down. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and again, there, this, this theory of change or this way of operating does exist. It has existed in this neighborhood for a long time and it does exist. It exists in a lot of different forms and in, in a lot of different ways, but boldness really presented an opportunity to do it in the most yeah. wholesome way possible. Um, because a lot of these ways aren't necessarily funded. A lot of these ways aren't necessarily understood. A lot of these ways aren't sort of allowed to just flourish in the light, as I say. So sometimes we're doing it off the side of our desk. Sometimes we're doing it under cover of darkness. Um, and so the lab allowed us, because the lab is about sort of allowed us to have sort of a blank slate, allowed us to, you know, take on experimentation, take yeah. on what looks risky. Um, you know, it just allowed lots of space for that. And so that we could think about ways that we wanted to operate. And so um, it, it's, it's been a great opportunity to really develop and write down our theory of change. Mm -hmm. And how refreshing to hear that that all came from the community right? Like if we're in a place of serving the community, it should come from what the community needs and not, not, not a guesswork of, oh, I think that they might need this kind of thing. And so it's just so refreshing to hear that, that that's, that's really the foundation of, of Winnipeg boldness. Very cool. Well, and that's, I've only known that way of operating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, I've just, that's been taught to me through the generation. That's how you go about the work. Yeah. You, you know, you center community, you center families. Yeah. Um, they are the experts. They know best what they need. And then the rest of us are helpers, right? We call in Anishinaabe, we call that skabe, like we're helpers. And mm -hmm. so it's our job to help, you know, bring those supports and resources and, and mm -hmm. services to our families when they're saying, this is what we need. You know, it's sort of up to us to, to help supply that to them, right? So, um, so yeah, that's, the, I, that's all I've ever been taught is you center community, you start there, and, and you just can't go wrong. Right? And so I know a lot of, I am asked to speak on the Winnipeg Bolness Project quite a bit. And usually the two things people want to know is how does this center Indigenous wisdom and how is this community driven? Like, how is the community driving this? Or actually the question becomes, how did you get community to buy in? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I always think is a sort of odd question for me because community has been driving it from the start mm -hmm. and, and through and through and through. Mm -hmm. So they're bought in. <laughs> like, yep. you know, I don't have to convince them to buy in. Yep. Like they're in, right? <laughs> yeah. If it's a service that's benefiting them, I can guarantee you that they will be interested in in being a part of that uh, or being at that table and, and voicing, voicing their opinion. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's part of why this, this podcast is so exciting because yes, we do need people to know that this is how we should do work is community driven. And it's awesome to hear um, your examples and stories of, of how you're doing that and how, wonderfully it's succeeding yeah well and and again it's you know it becomes um when you say it's a success in in a, in a lot of what we're discovering or have discovered throughout my time in the north end and certainly through boldness is who gets to define that success yeah. and who is it who is it successful for mm -hmm. and so a lot of our so again social lab just you know is is about looking at those complex challenges, is about help, you know, it's it's allowing community to define what the problem is. Because a lot of the times our community does not get to define the problem. Somebody outside of the neighborhood defines the problem and then they, they want to bring the solution to us, right? So with boldness, community gets to define the problem and then community begins to start to identify what the, um, what the solution's going to be. And, and again, it, I, that sounds so basic to me, but there's so many processes that don't do that and don't allow for that. Like they just never actually ask the parents or the families, you know, what they think. Um, rather, it's always, here's this great idea. Here's this great solution. Here's this great service. Here, take it and, and use it because it's for you, <laughs> whether it works for them or not. Exactly. No, I completely agree. And I remember um, in university learning about human-centered design. I was like, well, isn't this just the way that it should always be done, <laughs> like centered around the humans and the individuals that we're creating for. And yeah, I remember having that thought, like, shouldn't this just be the way it's always done? And very quickly realized that, unfortunately, it isn't the way that work is always done. But I agree with you, it should be. The other thing I wanted to say about the lab process is, you know, at its most basic, it's designing prototypes. And it's figuring out how to scale those prototypes. And it's... Um, suggesting that 
a lot of these complex challenges that society is facing are really um, embedded in systems, right? So it requires a systems thinking approach. Mm -hmm. And it also recognizes in that complexity that it will take a lot of us working together, cross sector, <laughs> you know, collaborations. Like, so a lot of us from many parts of the community to come together in different ways to be able to solve for these complexities. Um, and so I always, so that's also a really exciting part I find about labbing and, and about the boldness project is that we have been able to bring together a lot of these different sectors that haven't necessarily talked to each other before or sectors that didn't really see themselves in the solution or didn't necessarily see themselves in the problem definition. And so, um, you know, a lot of these social lab processes, I think, are very conducive to Indigenous knowledge and to Indigenous ways. And so when I think about cross-sector collaboration, I absolutely think about um, clan system teachings. And clan system teachings say all voices are in the circle, all voices are needed, everyone carries a piece, and so it's all these voices coming together, and you need them all. And they all serve different roles, and they all have diff carry different responsibilities. So that's clan system teachings to me. And so when I hear a lot about cross-sector collaboration, absolutely, I, I, I think about um, that makes sense to me. The other teaching that we have, and we were just talking about, you know, person-centered design, I do think, you know, talking to our families is the, the, is a starting place for us at Boldness. Um, when we really dive into, you know, again, Indigenous teachings, or for me, it's Anishinaabe teachings, you know, there is this knowledge system about all my relations. And so that, to me, speaks very much about ecosystem work. And all my relations isn't human-centric. <laughs> And so it recognizes that relationships are key, relationships are paramount. And so our, our task or our job is to figure out how to be in balanced, good relationship with everybody and everything. And so how am I in good relationship with the water? How am I in good relationship with my neighbor? How am I in good relationship with you know, animals? Right. Because those are all my relations. We talk about Mother Earth. You know, we talk about Grandmother Moon. Um, so th those are all my relatives and all my relations. And so I think about how am I in good relationship with them? And so, again, another teaching is, is uh, in Anishinaabe is Mino Bamadzuin. It's the good life. And that good life to me is about how are we in balance with one another and with everything? And how are we living, therefore, a good life for all of us, not just me personally? And so when we think about ecosystems and when we look at how we're all interconnected and interrelated and how we're in relationship with each other, we don't start thinking about how can I control the air or control the water or control the land. Like, I think we, we feel like in human relationships to try to control each other is not a good thing. <laughs> Instead, we want to be in good relationship with each other. Well, it's the same with all my relations, right? We're not trying to control you know, all my relations. We're trying to figure out how can I be in best relationship with my relations. So again, another knowledge, <clears throat> Indigenous knowledge uh, system that that we build into the work of the Winnipeg Boldness Project. And there's lots and lots of Indigenous teachings, which I think are knowledge transfer, you know, approaches or um, knowledge systems that <clears throat> I have heard and you know been raised up around and and still you know pursue to this day and so when i listen to the language of social innovation world that's where it, i go oh yeah see that makes sense to me because over here in anishinaabe world we talk about this this or this and social innovation world's talking about the same thing they're using different language but we're talking about the same thing and the same kind of approach yeah, you bring up a very key point that there are so many so many sectors and fields that are doing very similar work, but using different language to to talk about it. So once you really get into it, it's like, oh, wow, this is very parallel to what we're doing. We're just calling it different things. So and, and we wouldn't know that if we didn't have cross sector um, collaboration. Yeah. And cross sector collaboration is is, again, very to do that. I mean, we can all say that we all like to say we partner. We all like to say we collaborate and. I think to do it really well does require 
this concept of being in good relationship. Like mm -hmm. how can we be good partners to each other, right? How can we be good uh, collaborators with one another? And so lots of values come forward in, in that approach in terms of, you know, equity thinking, you know, I talk a lot about equity thinking. I talk a lot about, mm -hmm. you know, recognizing the interconnectedness. And so you can really go into conversations around power with that, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, how does power sit within our relationships? And who has power and what kind of power are we talking about? And I know in, in systems world, there's certainly a lot of conversations about, you know, sort of who gets to make decisions you know, who has control over resources, who gets to make decisions about those resources. And I think that's the work of, of scaling and that's the work of systems um, approaches. We're going to chat about some of those stories of innovation and experiences that you've had with, with the prototypes and the lab of the Winnipeg Boldness Project. So we'll jump into that. Could you share a few of those stories and, and what stood out for you? So we're, we're um, designing prototypes. We're, we're at about 12 right now. Um, and so how we picked those 12, again, we went to our community. Community said, you know, if you could just do these things, we'll make it better for babies. And we got a long, long list of ideas from our community about what, what we should work on. We went through a sort of whole process. Again, lots of dialogue, lots of like ongoing engagement, lots of conversations about how do we prioritize some of these things. And of course, you know, when opportunities arise, when that window opens, you got to jump through it, right? So some of it was based on, you know, what what was their energy for in the larger Winnipeg community to, to do some of these initiatives. So long list of, um, I think we kind of got it to about 40 ideas. We started in the first year working on five. Now we're up to about 12. And in all of them, I think there's patterns to... Um, to, to what's emerging, the wisdom that's emerging out of designing of these prototypes and trying to scale these prototypes. So first, I just need to say that all the prototypes are based off our theory of change. So the theory of change is, is the approach, right, is how you do these things. So every single prototype, you know, is uh, that theory of change is built into it in terms of here's how we're going to design this prototype and here's what we want this prototype to do. One that I, I think is a really good example is our concept of baby basket. And I have uh, done some some talks on this, um, and and you know, Baby Basket was looking at the whole issue around infant mortality because that that has been identified as an issue here in Winnipeg, and and it is like an awful thing, right? And and it's something that is very serious, and it's something that really does need um, some solution because we just don't want that. We don't want to have this problem of of infant mortality. So. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, folks who were very concerned about this in Winnipeg. And so the issue of the, the of using this this tool called a baby box had surfaced. And, you know, baby box, I believe, comes from, you know, it's a Finnish idea. And, and it, you know, I think it was back in the 1930s, maybe, where it might have started and all the way up through the, I, I think, the 1960s. And so it really worked for them, right? And so the concept of baby box at its core, I think, is looking at a safe, sleep surface and then you know I think it's it's grown to be more than that but I think at, a, at its core that's what it was so here in Winnipeg you know there was this move to to adopt baby box as a solution um, because it was you know an idea that was there there were folks who were producing them like it was a fairly easy thing to jump to like it was easily available and so folks really wanted to jump to that quick solution um, and and use baby baby box so we at Boldness went, well, hold on, let's go talk to our community. <laughs> let's find out what our community says about, you know, this and, and see what they say about baby box and about infant mortality. And so what surfaced was a lot of um, preferences in terms of here, here's some aspects of baby box and we prefer a different approach. And so number one, um, I feel like the baby box is a standardized model. And so the box is fairly standard. You know, it's about getting as many out there to as many people as possible. And, um, and everybody gets the same thing. And I do believe, you know, some of those baby boxes do have items contained in them now. And again, those are all the same items for every single person. Our community said, um, we want customization, <laughs> you know, in terms of what is it going to take to make babies better? <laughs> um, we would want customization in terms of this, this tool. 
And so I should back up and say that our community started with the baby box is very much about keeping babies alive. And that is important. Our community said, we're going to raise the bar just a little bit higher. We want to talk about our babies thriving. <laughs> so the difference between keep baby alive and keep, and to have babies thrive, that's a different conversation. And so it puts you at a different starting place. And then you're, so it's a different problem definition. And it's a different, so it starts the solution finding in a very different place. And I do feel like a lot of our different services, resources, um, programs that get designed for our families from outsiders starts with this just enough to get by because <laughs> there's some sort of underlying belief there that if we do a, more than just keep everybody alive, they're going to be super dependent on this. And then they're, and then that's not good. We don't want them dependent on this. And so we're only going to give them just enough to keep their nose above the water. Right. So let's just keep them treading water like that which I just have serious issues with, but most of our, so again, alive, right? Let's just keep everybody just alive. Our community goes, no, no, thrive. We want to talk about thriving. So let's start looking at how might our families thrive. So how, and, and which then begins to be a very much about a, uh, you know, a, a prevention approach versus an intervention approach, really. It starts leading us down that prevention place of, you know, if we can get to families early and get supports around families early, you know, we're, we're then dealing with this infant mortality, you know, way upstream um, so that we're not having to find ourselves right at that moment of, of infant mortality. So again, our communities think in prevention, right? Our community um, was also feeling that the box, which you could go to a website, you could, you know, click and drop down box and punch in your credit card and order and the thing would show up on your doorstep. And there you go, you could use baby box. Um, our community said that's way too transactional. We want relational approaches centered in this, this approach and this tool. So the baby basket was very much about um, that. If you can think about so what I just said to there, drop down box order shows up in your doorstep box and your baby can sleep in the box. Our community said, we think baskets better. <laughs> we want somebody to possibly show up at your house or for you to come to the center or something. We want a basket to pass between two individuals, two people. And then that creates an opportunity for two people to be in relationship because we think that what's good for babies is when there's a lot of people around babies and there's a lot of supports around families. And so, you know, for every child, we need about five adults, right, to, to help raise children. And so it takes a village kind of thinking. So you can start to see the differences in, in these approaches, right? And, and quite frankly, our community really wanted to go with the concept of baby bundle. Um, but they felt like in our prototyping phase or in our prototyping work, um, we, we, that's another iteration. And so they pulled it back to just call it basket because they felt like we were all of what we were putting in there, um, could be readily, readily available to folks as basket. We still need to do some other kind of work if we want to go full force and go into bundle. And so, Again, our community just went, no, we're going to pull it back a little bit. But we know ultimately we want to get to, to uh, this bundle concept. So again, you know, the, the box really is about being independent. The basket is about interdependence. <laughs> um, I talked about that customization. You know, our community said families are all different. You know, it could be your first child, could be your fifth child. Like, you know, you, you could be a grandparent raising your kids. Like there's all these. So families are very unique. We want the basket to be very customized. So they designed this laundry list of things that people could choose from. They assigned point values and they said, you have up to this amount of point value. So pick and choose the things you want in your basket versus box. It's all the same thing and whether you need it or not. So box is very much about equality. Like everybody gets the same because it's all equal. Whereas basket is very much about equity. It's very much about choice. Um, you know, and so it centers all these. So you can start to see how a lot of these values, which are all in our theory of change, start to surface in the prototype. And those kinds of values surface in almost all of our prototypes. You can see that pattern in all of the different designs of each prototype. So where that prototype may have been designed by mainstream society before, the way we design it or operationalize it, it just becomes very different in terms of the values we center. That's incredible. I love that 
the the concept of taking it just from being a place of we're focusing on survival to survive and thrive. Um, and that makes a huge difference, like you said, in, in the product that you um, prototype and create and the way that it affects the families is, is drastically different. Um, the other, there, there's so many, again, amazing elements to the baby box that demonstrate indigenous approaches indigenous, and the centering of indigenous wisdom. The other thing that our community felt super strongly about was that the baby baskets would be produced locally. And so it was a community economic development approach. And so we have social enterprises here in Winnipeg run by women's centers. And so we felt very strongly that we wanted baby basket to be um, constructed and put together and then um, sent out by a local a social enterprise run by women in the community. And so it would give jobs and employment to those women. Whereas Baby Box, I think it was some big corporate, you know, corporation out of California, I think it was. Um, and so, again, the difference, what our community wisdom says about what's important, right, is is the localization of, of the economic benefits of a basket and how it would create local economy. And, and so, again, the community wisdom is just, it blows my mind. Yeah. And like you said, the, by having that community voice in there, it, it affects um, what you create so much and it has so much more of an impact on, on folks. I love that it's all local too. I've always been a big supporter of local. So I think that's um, an amazing, amazing thing to be doing with it. So I was going to, I was going to ask just for um, context, cause I actually haven't heard of mm-hmm. baby boxes before. So what would, what would be found in a baby box or, or I guess maybe Instead of talking about the baby box, what would um, what are the options that are available for the baby bun, uh, baby basket? Got to get the terms right. <laughs> you know, our community um, again, it was going right to parents. You know, because those are the experts, mm-hmm. and and asking them what do you think are you know what should go into a baby basket, and so they quickly came up with a long, long list. And part of what they taught us was, you know, the easy things we can find anywhere, and the easy things you know, are, are readily available through, you know, different places, you know, donations or what have you. It's the harder stuff that we never get. And so they identified, you know, everything from, you know, like a, a plastic bottle, say, or, you know, something as simple as that, um, all the way through to double seated strollers. And as you can imagine, the harder things to get were the more popular items. Right. And so, you know, the double seated strollers or car seats and things like that were certainly um, very popular. The other thing which surfaced to us is that people chose cultural identity things over functionality. Mm-hmm. So the one of the biggest things that almost everybody picked were those, you know, those little um, concrete things where you put your handprint in, yep. like you can put your baby's handprint in mm-hmm. it and it and then it's a keepsake. People pick that over and over and over again, which speaks to, you know, that's not necessarily functionality, right? Like that, that is a sentimental, I want to keep my baby's handprint. And so also, you know, folks in terms of the other list, there was objects in terms of the list of objects, but there was also a list of services and supports, like making sure that people knew that there's all these different services and supports that they could access. So that also went into the basket. And a lot of what our community said that they want and need is access to cultural teachings, access to identity, access to ceremony, because again, that's a big gap in our community. Um, There are sort of parenting (laughs) programs out there, you know, a lot of, and our community said some of them are good and some of them are quite awful, but indigenous approaches to parenting, we don't see very much of that and that's what we want. And so when we look at those indigenous approaches to parenting, Mm -hmm. there is a lot of different... um, practical information but a lot of ceremonial information like how do we you know get our sacred names like what and what is a a sacred bundle you know what 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 do we do with our placenta you know there's walking out ceremonies like so on and so forth like our community really really wants access to to that kind of knowledge and information um to help raise our babies in a in a thriving way Mm -hmm. Yeah. And culture is such a big, such a big piece of that really to thrive is, um, is culture. 
that was just so inspiring and wonderful to hear how everything is so integrated and and layered that like everything we're creating is coming from this theory of change and it really goes to show that when you do all that work that whole year of planning and and listening to community and writing things out of how much deeper i think your your impact um can be i think as a project we've really figured out how to bring together the indigenous wisdom that's been in our community for a long, long time, how to bring that together with the social lab approach. Mm -hmm. And so the two work so well together again, because the lab just allows for a lot of ways of no knowing being and doing to, to be centered and to, to allow that to flourish. So, so it's really beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, where we're at in the evolution. So, so we're really figuring out how to dive into problem definition and then how to um, design solutions with our community. And so the prototypes we design, you know, our community starts the design process, then we involve others as we go and we just keep iterating. And then we actually run families through the prototypes. So then the families tell us that worked or that didn't work, or, you know, we need more of this or tweak it that way. So our families are t totally telling us how to make this a better prototype, right? Um, I think what there's a couple things that at this point, seven years down the road that we're challenged with, um, we're really challenged with evaluation. <laughs> I think evaluation world is, is highly centered on programmatic offerings. And so we know how to evaluate programs really well. Um, I think to evaluate social lab processes has been challenging for us. And so, and then again, who gets to decide what's important, you know, who gets to decide what we measure, who gets to decide, you know, what's the value add there. And so while the community, we're always fierce about community gets to decide all that things. Not everybody agrees with our community that that's what's important or that's, you know, the that should be the ultimate outcome or um, that, that this is good value for money. I and mean, we have a lot of those kinds of conversations with some of our supporters too, is, you know, what's... <laughs> what's this value for money framework that we might be using? Because at the end of the day, we do feel like the big unwielding systems are super expensive and they're not always very effective or efficient for our families. And, and at their very worst are harmful to our families, like just outright harmful, even though they're designed, you know, with this notion of making it better for our families. Um, so we know there's a lot of, well, more, you know, there's, there's some immoral things happening in these systems. However, you know, I can also make the economic imperative to say these systems are too expensive, you know? And so we feel like the community solutions and the community wisdom can probably be way more <laughs> economically efficient, you know, and highly moral <laughs> at the same time. So we really think we can get really good health and wellness outcomes, um, in, in a better way and, and again, more efficiently or more um, uh, impactful, if you will. So really being tasked with how do we think about impact? How do we communicate impact? How do we measure impact? Um, those are a lot of conversations that we're having right now and there isn't easy tools to use for us for right now. And so we're really having to design some of that on our own or we're having to cobble together pieces or, and what makes sense to us is to storytell because we think the stories communicate all of that. Um, and so, and people really do, the stories land and people can hear the story and, and then they can think about that story and, and they can imagine all the impacts that would come out of it when they, when they hear the story. Trying to do that in a more scientific, you know, data-driven you know, that kind of evidence becomes a bit more challenging um, to, to, again, communicate the impact or the value of, of what you're doing. So we're very challenged with that right now. And, and again, we're working through it and we're talking to all of our colleagues, you know, or, that are here in Winnipeg, talking to our colleagues across the country and, um, you know, trying to connect with other labs and other social innovation folks to figure out how might we do this. So obviously there's a lot of emphasis on developmental evaluation, which is about what did we learn? <laughs> Um, but some of our stakeholders, they don't mind that, but that's not enough. You know, um, they really do want to take, sometimes I feel like there's a bit more of a leaning into the quantitative aspect of, 
of evaluation or impact. And so, I mean, that's important. We can do that. But it, when you're talking about prototyping, it isn't about quantity necessarily, right? It's about quality. And so, because again, we're not, we're not designing massive national <laughs> programs here. We're, we're prototyping possible solutions. The scaling becomes where we can maybe have more conversations about quantity. You know, so, I mean, scaling isn't always about quantity, but it, it can mm-hmm. be if, if we scale in that regard. So, yeah, so that's one of the challenges we have right now. I think there's still, um, people still understand programmatic offerings quite easily. Um, When you're not offering a programmatic (laughs) thing, I think it's harder for people to get their head around. And so prototyping, what's that? (laughs) And, and, and then what's the value of that communicating the value of a prototype, I think right. can be challenging because you know, we only did X amount of families. Mm-hmm. So it's not statistically significant. That's not the point. The point is actual families designed this thing and actual families tested it and actual mm-hmm. families, you know, gave us the feedback and said, this is what we really like an example or learning. I'm not even sure the wisdom of, of some of our prototyping is when our families get to design it, and they tell us um, it becomes something that they participate in that they really, really love because they're saying, here's how we need it. Here's when we need it. Here's, you know, they're, they're telling, they're, they get to design it. So it really fits them really, really well, but it's prototyping. So it's always short term. Mm-hmm. Right. And the point is to, to get through a design process. Um, and so we always have to end the prototype mm-hmm. at some point. And and then we and then we look to all of our collaborators and stakeholders to figure out how we might scale those prototypes. Well, our community mm-hmm. gets very upset when something they really love ends and they don't care if it's a prototype or <laughs> they, they don't care about that language. Mm-hmm. They just know that they experience something awesome. And they need more of it and they need it in their lives Mm -hmm. and they have every right to want and need that. And they have every right to demand it. And I'm happy that they're demanding it. And then they get mad at us for ending it. So sometimes, you know, boldness does get criticized for why did they end that amazing thing? And because we did end it, right? We ended the prototyping. And so, so I'll take that heat because they should be, families should be indignant that they don't have this all the time, right? Families should demand better and they should demand, mm-hmm. you know, the best of a, of a service or an mm-hmm. offering. And so, so, you know, I just sit back mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I have a smile on my face when they're said so they're potentially criticizing, you know, me or boldness. <laughs> um, but I see exactly what they're saying and they have every right to. So, so, it, but, and, and so it just really reinforces and, and redoubles our commitment to, to do more mm-hmm. and to do better and to push harder and to, you know, really push on the scaling and to really work hard at creating partnerships and, and collaborations with others so that we can scale this stuff. And so, you know, we, we have our fears yeah. like everybody. And so we always fear sometimes that, um, you know, we want our prototypes to scale. We want other people to take them and run with them and just go like, we would love that. Well, you know, so let's, somebody else take it and run with it mm-hmm. and embed it within your service or system. Um, we love that. We're always fearful that, oh, then it starts to get away from what our families were asking for. Like there's always sort of that danger we feel, but we always suggest, you know, if you keep families completely plugged into it and yeah. if you keep listening to families, it will iterate and change and evolve and develop in a really good way. As long as you keep families super, you know, plugged into it and listening to them and using their guidance and direction, it will never, um, you know, uh, lead you in the wrong direction. And so we, we worry. So that's why we always are very um, adamant about centering of relationships. And so no matter what the product is, Mm -hmm. um, the product's only part of the equation. If you have strong, respectful relationships, yeah. that product can evolve and, 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 you know, we talk about emergence and iteration, right? Um, as long as that relationship is strong, yeah. you know, it can go in any direction and it will mm-hmm. be a good direction. Mm-hmm. And so um, once the Winnipeg Boldness Project has completed a prototype, what happens, I guess, once that prototype is closed off, is it sometimes that... Um, somebody else will take it on and really start implementing it, do the prototypes 
resurface at all or is it is it Winnipeg Boldness Project just focused on prototyping and and then doing another prototype that kind of thing yeah our you know and this is the beauty of Winnipeg Boldness as well that I'm starting to see you know the pattern it at the very beginning of Boldness we didn't know much about anything in terms of social innovation or labbing really and prototyping we, we knew how to make things better for babies and how to operate with our families. We knew that for sure. Um, but this lab stuff, we had to, it was a steep learning curve for mm -hmm. us. And so we felt like we were sitting in chaos a lot of the time. But what I love about chaos theory is that pattern always emerges. <laughs> and so, you know, when our community, you know, would always guide us and direct us. And I've always been told my whole life, if you don't know, that's okay. Because community knows and community will always guide you and direct you. So just have confidence in that, have faith in that. And you will be at peace, you know, with that. You don't have to get all worked up with not knowing because community is always going to guide you. You're not in this alone. So I've always felt that about boldness, even when we're sitting around in the, the not knowing and the chaos and not knowing what we're going to do. I always had faith that community will always lead us in the right way. So that's number one. Um, and so when it comes to the, uh, the prototyping, they are all super interconnected. <laughs> so these prototypes don't, they're not all independent prototypes. And so I, I've said a time or two, when I step back and look at the bigger picture and the bigger pattern, it could almost be like one massive prototype with all these moving parts at times, you know? So it circles within circles within circles, um, which is what I love about circular thinking and thinking inside the circle. Um, so they're all super interconnected. Um, and yeah, some of our prototypes incorporate the other prototypes within them. So one of our prototypes that we were super uh, privileged to work on was the Indigenous Doulas Initiative with, with a group of fabulous Indigenous women who really designed that and ran with it. Um, and so one of the iterations of the Indigenous Doulas Project took on the baby basket and, and operated the baby basket within their um, scaling. Uh, so they took that and, and they, they iterated on that baby box in a way that I couldn't have imagined. And I, I sit back and look, cause they took it to a community scale and instead of sort of individuals each receiving a basket, they took that into one of our Northern uh, First Nation communities and the community turned it into a community sort of basket. And so they really, it was about not, you know, I mean, we have to look after individual families for sure, but how do these families connect to each other and how do we as a community celebrate you know, the ceremonies and, and provide, you know, the identity stuff. And how do we as a community mm -hmm. come together and get around all these young, you know, families and young children. And so they just scaled it in a way that I sit back and my heart swells and, and my brain is just stretched, you know, with, with the sophistication and, and the wisdom of, of where they took it. So, and, and we didn't have anything to do with that. Like they just took mm -hmm. it and ran with it and did it mm -hmm. the way that they wanted to do it in that community. And I just went, oh, my God, it's beautiful and perfect. <laughs> um, so we see that a lot where, you know, the prototypes are incorporating because they're so interconnected. Um, yeah. That is so cool. I feel funny saying that is so cool, but it is. I'm just like, that's so cool. <laughs> it is. It's awesome, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It, really is. it's, 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 it can be it, holding the duality of how simple that is mm -hmm. and yet how sophisticated that is yeah. at the same time. Yeah. That happens over and over and over again when I look at the community wisdom in, in Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. We'll tie it up here with my last question that I'm going to be um, asking everyone. So it's kind of a consistent question, although I'm going to change it since the last time I recorded with somebody. So it's like kind of consistent. Um, but anyways, it's, it's around advice. And if you could, I guess there's, there's, you could take it one or two, one of two ways. Um, so if you could go back in time and talk to yourself seven years ago, right when you were starting Winnipeg Boldness Project, what advice or words of wisdom or encouragement would you tell yourself? Or if if there was, or I guess, yeah, go back in time and talk to yourself. Or if there was somebody else who was starting something similar to this or just if starting with a new challenge in front of them, brand new, what what would you tell them? I, and I, that, that is a, yeah, though, if I could tell myself back then that that's always a tough one for me. <laughs> um, cause I don't often think like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of advice, mm -hmm. um, I, I guess what I want to say is, you know, we are in this era of truth and reconciliation 
in Canada, for sure. And I feel like folks are really trying to understand how to be a part of the solution. I, I don't think too many people want to be a part of the problem, I, I think. Um, but I think we have to understand the role that each of us has played in the problem. So I think that, and, and that's tough work, right? It's very tough work to, to look at yourself critically and go, what role did I play in the problem? And am I currently playing in the problem? I think that's tough. So that, and then second, reconciliation. You know, folks love to be in the reconciliation mode because it's, it's usually solution finding and it's usually a bit more positive in terms of how might we, we work together here. Um, and so I think that, What's key to the recon to both to truth and reconciliation is solid relationships. And so, if you work hard at being in, in an authentic, genuine relationship with others, I think that whatever path you take and whatever solutions you find or identify, you can't go wrong. Because I think the solutions and the path can change, you know, from year to year. It can change from issue to issue. But if you're in a solid relationship, so I go back to Mino Bamadzuin, if you're in a solid relationship with others, you will go forward together. And when you're in that solid relationship with others, you can work through complexity. You can work through super challenging things. And when those relationships are not good, you can't deal with complexity and you can't deal with hard challenges and conversations. Um, so that's sort of the advice I would give to anybody out there is work really hard at your relationships. The rest will follow. Everything else will follow and flow from that. Beautiful. That was fabulous advice. Well, that is, that is it from me for questions. So thank you. Huge. Thank you again for that. That was such a fabulous conversation. Yeah. And I really do appreciate being asked because it does, it, it helps me to um, further iterate what we're doing at Boldness. So when right. I'm invited to speak at things like this, it just pushes me mm -hmm. to, to, mm -hmm. to, to be better at describing and telling the story. So, so thanks mm -hmm. for, for um, asking us to, to be here. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was fabulous. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Pause. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. In the spirit of reconciliation, I'd like to acknowledge that the homes we live in and the ground that we walk upon are situated on lands that were until relatively recently used and cared for exclusively by Indigenous peoples. We acknowledge the past, present and future generations of First Nations, Métis and Inuit who have traditionally gathered in and cared for our land. As always, I would love to hear what you thought of the episode. So please let me know in the comments on your favorite listening platform. Shoot me an email, send me a DM on Instagram. Um, any and all of the above is awesome. I hope you all have a fabulous rest of your day, afternoon, evening, weekend, wherever you're at listening to this episode. Have a good one.